Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron Burke, and I have the huge honor of being the lead pastor here. And we are going to be in a two-week series uh, this week and next week that I think is going to help you a lot And we're going to talk all things stewardship, all things when it comes to money and finances and getting your your life in order. We've called it handle with care, handle with care, talking about handling with care the things that God has given us. We'll do this series for two weeks and then we're going to dive into Easter series after that called the Miracles of Jesus. It'll be high faith building. It'll be a great time for us. But I'm telling you what we do with our finances really matters. What you do with the resources in your life really matters. So we're going to make it real practical, real fun. We'll laugh a lot together. But today, if you're taking notes and we are a note-taking church across Tampa Bay. I want you to take those notes out. And I want to talk to you for a little bit today about the three secrets of good stewardship. I want to give you three secrets that I've learned in my life of good stewardship that'll help you really be all that God's called you to be so you can steward well what he has given you. Because how many know there ain't no problems like money problems? Come on, how many, how many know what I'm talking about? There ain't no problems like when you're in the middle of, of, of those seasons where you're just struggling financially, it's tough. It brings up a lot of tension and a lot of arguments. Um, Katie and I have had seasons where we're incredibly blessed and we've had seasons where we're just, we're broke. And so I remember when we moved to Tampa, we both quit our full-time jobs Moved here in faith, didn't know anybody, and wanted to start the church. And so Katie is a, a nurse, and so she was working part-time and then still working, trying to do this stuff for the church. And, and we didn't have any money. We were fighting like crazy all the time because money problems bring so much pressure, so much tension. The stat is that one in four Americans said that money is a thing that they argue or stress about on a daily basis. And if I did a poll, I know that that would be many of you, that right now, if, where's the pressure? And I know some of y'all were like, it's money right now. It, it, it's what the great you know, philosopher of our day, Snoop Dogg, says. He says, listen, my mind is on my money, and my money is on my mind. Come on, we know that's the truth. We've, we've all got those moments. We're, we're just thinking about it all the time. And, and what I want you to know is how you deal with money really, really matters. Billy Graham said it this way. If a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. So if you can figure out this thing, you can figure out so much more in your life. And we're going to look at it through the life of Jesus. Jesus addressed money all the time. More than anybody else in the scripture, Jesus addressed how we deal with our money. Actually, the two subjects that Jesus talked about the most that we talk about the least is money and hell, by the way. And Jesus talked about the reality of both of those and how important both of those are. So we're going we're gonna to deal with this issue of money. And here's why, because Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter six, he says, for where your treasure is, how you spend your money, that determines where your heart is also. So your money determines where your heart is. Money is a great indicator of the affections of your heart. I wrote it in your notes this way. Ready? Our payments reveal our priority. So what you're giving your money out to, what you're spending your money on, really determines what the priority is in your life. I I said it this way. You show me your credit card statement, I'll show you your passion. (laughs) You show me your Venmo, I'll show you your values. I love Jesus. Really? It looks like you love Starbucks and Lululemon. (laughs) Jesus has my heart. Really? I think Target has your heart. And we have to address this in a real way 
of how we're spending our money because we're called to handle it with care. So what God has put in your hands, you're called to steward it well, to handle it well. And if I could give you a little description of what some of you look like with how you're handling God's resources that he gave you, it probably looks a little bit like this. That is how you're handling your finances right now, and that needs to change. So I'm going to give you three foundational truths that are right there in your notes that are crucial, and then I'm going to give you my three secrets that I think are right in the scriptures that will help you with stewardship. First of all, you have to understand this, that God is the owner. God is the owner. So everything we have in our life is from God and is owned by God. Everything in our, in our resource that we have, everything that, that's been given to us is from God. The Bible says it this way, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's. So it's not ours, it's the Lord's. And everything that's in it. So everything that's in the earth, it's the Lord. The world and all who live in it, we're not the owner, he is. Now we get this wrong because we say things like, look, it's my house it's my car, it's, you know, it's, it's, are there my kids, it's my company, it's my money, it's my bank account, it's my 401k, and I want to remind you as a Christian, we don't own any of it, God is the owner of all of it. So you've got to change your perspective of this. We have business leader groups on all of our campuses, I'm so proud of how that community has grown, and I remember speaking this subject one time to, to the group of the men, talking about how God's the owner of all of it, and one, one of them would, would constantly say this phrase, well, you know, well, I built it, and and. I'm self-made man, and and man, and I, I'm the one that got me. I got through the bar this way, and not not the drinking bar, the bar exam. You got the idea. So, I did this, and and I did this, and I remember saying, "Wait, listen, listen, listen. You got to start giving God the credit. It's not yours. It's God's." He said, "Well, I did this." I'm like, "Well, who even gave you the brains to get through that?" Who even gave you the energy to be able to wake up and build that business? Where do you think that idea came from? Everything we have is but but a product of the grace of God. I'm telling you, we need to give him the credit for it. Can I hear a better amen today, church? Deuteronomy says it this way, but remember the Lord your God. Remember him when, when it's easy to put the attention on you. Remember him. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And if there's any wealth that's been produced in your life, you need to remember the Lord your God because every bit of the ability came from him. Can I hear a good amen today, church? So, so we're, not, we're not the owners of it. He's the owner. Now, what is our part? Here's the foundational truth number two is that we're the stewards. So a steward is a biblical term, meaning that was someone that managed the home of somebody else. So it's not, it's not their home. It's a managing what somebody else has had. Now, I don't know if you remember these days, but I, when I was a teenager, my parents had to sit me down multiple times and just remind me that this was not my house. <laughs> Some of y'all got teenagers right now. You're going to have that talk after this. And I, I remember they would sit down. They'd go, Aaron, I just want you to know this is not your house. This is our house. This is our house. We, we pay for this house. This isn't you. This isn't you. We had this before you got here. We'll have it after you're gone. You're just passing through this thing. So you need to take care of it. You need to put yourself in place here. Understand. So as a teenager, I had to get that grip. Wait, wait, wait. This isn't mine. This is theirs. Some of y'all have teenage spirituality in your life right now. You have this idea that it's, well, it's mine. It's mine. I can treat it the way I want. And God the Father is speaking to you right now and go, hey, hey, you're not owner of this thing. 
You're just a steward. It's called to, re- to, to really be responsible for what I've given you during this time. And I'm telling you, you should be stewarding your marriage, stewarding your kids, stewarding your finances, stewarding your time, stewarding your relationships. Every area of your life, you need to steward it well because everything we have is from him. The Bible says it this way. Paul wrote it. He says, this is how we, one should regard us, us as Christians. Here's the two things that we should be regarded as. Ready? As servants of God. So we're serving God and we're stewards of the mysteries of God. We're servants and stewards. Servants and stewards. We're going to serve God. And then whatever he puts in our hands, we're going to be good stewards of it. So I, I want to challenge you with this idea that, man, you are called to steward the resources that God has given you. So he's the owner. We're the steward. And here's number three. Ready? In the stewardship of the little determines if we can steward a lot. Now, everybody in our world wants more. We, we're always after more. We want, you know, better pay. We want uh, more resources. We want a bigger house. Everyone's more, 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 more. And I'm going to challenge you with this. Listen, you've missed the principle if you're chasing more. Don't chase more. Be faithful with what you got now. And if you're faithful with what God's given you now, he'll bring the more in your life. He'll bring the more. And Luke says in 16, it's written this way. It's so beautiful. Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little. I love how he puts the word very right there. Because some of y'all look at your bank account right now and, and God's like, <laughs> I'm talking to you right now. It's very little, very little. But I, I think it's crucial because I learned this lesson not, not, not before I ever got that full-time job. I learned this lesson working at McDonald's at 5.15 an hour with very little. And I said, God, if, you, if I can be faithful with this, then look what he says. He says, then you can be trusted with what? With much. Everybody wants much. No, no, be faithful with the little in your life. And if you're not trustworthy in handling, he says, if you're dishonest with very little, you'll be dishonest with much. Look at this next verse. He says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will, how will you be trusted with true riches in your life? How you deal with the little bit that God's given you determines if you can handle a lot. Let me just say it this way. You're praying and you're believing and you're naming and claiming for the new SUV. And God's saying, how are you dealing with the 1994 Toyota Corolla I've given you right now? Like, like, like you want the new car, but that one hadn't been cleaned one time. Can we just be real with you? Like, like the floorboard of that car says, you can't handle this. Why would I give you something new? You're on Zillow. Come on, let's just talk about Zillow for a little bit. You're on Zillow and you're just scrolling all day long. And by the way, you're looking at houses way out of your price range. Talk about looking for much. You're like, I, 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 I can do that. I, I think I can make that payment. You're making it. But let me tell you, God will never bless you with that until you take care of the one bedroom apartment you got right now. Well, you go, well, uh, well this is so small. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, when I get that, I'll be faithful with that. And that's not how the kingdom works. The kingdom says, listen, you deal with what you got right now and you deal with it in the right way and watch how God will bless you with more, with more. It's the story of Radiant. We, we had one little service in a one round dollar theater. I'm telling you, we, we, we handled it and we stewarded it well. And what did God do? Then we added another service and we added another service. Then we added another service. Then we added a location and we stewarded it well. Then we added another location and we added another location. We're, all, we're always trying to make it better. Why? Because we know the path to much is being faithful with the little God's giving you right now. Let me give you a little illustration with it, okay? I call it the plate illustration because I got, I got five kids that are 10 and under. And so I've had to 
learn the, the, the progression of the plate illustration. Okay, so the plate illustration is when you have a little baby, you start with this plate. All right, now this plate you can buy in the store, and this plate is, is amazing. So this right here has this little suction thing on the bottom. So some of y'all don't know what this is, which is all about this because you've never had a two-year-old in your house. Because when you have a little kid in your house, what you do is you take this plate and you put it on the table, and what it does is it sticks to the table. And you go, why would you need a plate to stick to the table? Because <laughs> you don't know the little terrors I have living in my house. And what they'll do is when you, when you have this plate, the kids, they just take it and they want to take this plate. And they, they try really hard when it's a little baby, and they want to pull it and they want to take it and they want to throw the food on the ground. And it's, it's, just, it's just the way they work. For some reason, it's, 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 it shows you how they're all falling short of the glory of God. So all born in the sin. So we start with this plate. And it's so amazing because as we continue on and as they grow, the, the less they try to pull that plate and take it off the plate, then I go, oh, I think they finally learned that this is not what you do with the plate and you don't throw it on the ground. And what we do is then we progress and then we progress to this plate. <laughs> And now this plate, and let me tell you, it's, 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 it's not much nicer. It's the same kind of size. It's the same kind of thing. The only difference between this plate is it gives them a little bit more freedom. <laughs> so now they can move it around and they can do this stuff. But what I'm doing is I'm testing them going, can they deal with this plate well? Because every once in a while, and parents know this, you put something on there and you're like, hey, eat your vegetables. I don't want to eat my vegetables. And then, you go, eat your vegetables right now. I don't want to eat my vegetables. And they take it and they just... <sighs> And then you go, okay, now back to this little plate. <laughs> but what I've learned in life is that if you can deal with that plate, eventually you'll get to a place where you get out of the little kid table and they'll give you the real plates, okay? So some of y'all are teenagers, some of y'all are young adults and you still haven't gotten a, a real plate. Let me tell you why. Because <laughs> we can't trust you yet. Because what I did early on, and I made a big mistake, I didn't know this, is I didn't know the, the value of, of keeping them with the little plate until they could handle it. Because I, I just thought, oh, it's so nice if we all eat on the nice plates. We, we got these for our wedding. We should just have them in really nice plates. And then my two-year-old at the time took the plate one time. And when I thought, I was like, hey, eat your vegetables. Oh, I don't want to eat my vegetables. And then they took the plate and they took what was so beautiful to me. And they just, no. And I gave something so valuable to someone that couldn't handle the value of it. You want to progress, you want to get more in your life, handle well what God has given you right now, right now. And I'm telling you, it really matters. Here's why. Write it down in your notes, because how you handle something is how you'll handle anything. It's how you'll handle everything in your life. So don't tell me, oh man, if I became a millionaire, I would deal with this thing really well. No, 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 no. How are you doing with a hundred bucks in your account right now? Like, like, oh, if I got married, then I would get disciplined in my life. Whoa, 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 whoa. That ain't how it works. You show me discipline right now and watch how God will bless you with the, with the marriage. You see, it always, it's always the progression of being faithful and being a good steward with what you got right now. Y'all still with me? Say yes. All right, so let me give you three secrets to good stewardship that I think will help you because we all want to be good stewards because we all want more. We all want to all be a blessing to the world around us. And we'll talk about that at the end of why it's important that you get more in your life because I need you more blessed than you are right now. The, the, the church of Jesus Christ needs you with more resources than you have right now. But the only way to get there is to, we're good stewards of what God's given us. So let me give you the three keys. These are three secrets that I've learned in my life. Practice them from early time, from early on, and I think they'll help your life. Number one is that the secret of stewardship is to spend wisely. Yep. Spend wisely. How you spend money really, really matters. How you spend what's in your, your bank account, what's in your, what's, what, what you've gotten on that paycheck really, really matters. Because the reality is, is all the people that are joining us right now, there's thousands of people around Tampa Bay joining us in this message right now. 
most of you, and I can't say everybody because there are the rare exceptions, most people that are joining me right now, let me just tell you this way, do not have an income problem. You don't have an income problem. If you live in America, you're working a full-time job, most of the time, now I know there are some exceptions, most of the time, you do not have an income problem. But I'll tell you this, you do have a spending problem. Because if you're so tight financially, it's most of the time because we live in a world that is bombarding us with consumerism and materialism all the time, and we're spending more than we have. And we're spending like crazy. And the reality is, is you get to the halfway through the month and you're going, where's the money at? And it's the problem is, is you just keep spending, spending, spending. And I, I read, I was reading some crazy stats this week about Americans and Americans um, in total last year in America, um, Americans spent $100 billion on lottery tickets. $100 billion. And talk about a waste. I mean, crazy stuff. Um, I, I saw this one was crazy. In total, Americans spend almost $2 billion on unused gym memberships. Now, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but you know who you are. It's just money down the drain, down the drain. Americans spend $15 billion a year on bank fees. That's that $35 NSF fee, and it keeps adding up and adding up and adding up. I I thought this was crazy. Americans last year spent a record $1 billion on crystals to help keep people calm. What? You know what will keep you calm? Having money in your account. (laughs) Stupid stuff. Let me say, here's another one. Worldwide, Americans spent $380 billion on in-app purchases. The app's never free, by the way. It's never free. You're going to find something to purchase inside that app. It, it, it happens all the time. Uh, can we talk about coffee for just a little bit? I'm just trying, not, not trying to uh, you know, hurt on y'all, but some of y'all walked in with your Starbucks, and you're like, oh, that's so great. And you were late, by the way. And you're just like, ah, oh. now we know why. Um, the average American spent $2,300 on coffee last year. $2,300. Now, some of y'all, you spent that in a month. You're like, I can exceed it. And it's crazy. You know, worst of all, let me say, it's shocking, all right? This, this is real facts. Ready? Cat owners, on average, <laughs> spend $276 a month on their cats, which translates to $3,300 annually wasted on that little rodent right there in your house. <laughs> wasted. Just spending money. But let's be real, okay? And those things are so frivolous. We all spend, but the reality is, is if it looked at your, your account right now, and if you looked at your transactions, your life looks a lot like this. It's just spend, 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 spend. And then eventually you're like, God's like, hey, I want you to help that person out. You're like, hey, 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 giving that offering. Yeah, yeah, it's time to, it's time. Get your kids through college. Because we got a spending problem. We got a spending problem. So we got to learn how to spend wisely. The Bible says it this way Jesus said, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Like, like one, if you want to build something great with your life, won't you first just kind of like evaluate? Can this even happen? Like, am I doing this thing well? So here, here's the solution, right? The solution is to get on a strict budget. And I love it. And I, I know this is going to be broadcast later on, and, and people are going to watch this later on. But right now, this message is being taught. At, on, in March of 2023. And I'm glad it's being taught in March and not in January because some of y'all tried this in January and you've already let up on it. So my challenge for you, Radiant, hear the word from God. Get back on a budget. A budget tells your money where to go. A budget already designates your money so that you don't have to say no to everything the budget says no. 
So your friends are like, hey, we're going out to eat again. You're like, I would love to, but budget told me no. They're like, who's budget? They budget your friend? Now you're like, no, 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 budget's my budget. My budget just said no. I wish I could. Hey, well, we're all going a weekend trip. I wish I could, but budget said no. Hey, by the way, married couples, this will help you a lot. Get on a budget together. Because then it's like, hey, I'm going to go golfing again. Oh, honey, I wish you could. <laughs> wish you could, but budget told us that you can't. Hey, 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 husband, I'm going to go to the mall just to go walk around. Oh, that's a great idea. I just want, budget wants you to know that you got to leave your credit card here. You can't go to the mall with it. So, so budget helps make that decision. By the way, if you don't know how to get on a budget, that's why we do an annual finance seminar, and it'll help you. It's next Sunday, 7 p.m., and it's a bunch of our team, and we're going to help you figure out a budget and figure out how to do this thing well, because how you spend money matters. Jump onto it, register for it. It's free, but I'm telling you, take this area of your life seriously, because it's an investment towards your future. Here's why. Write it on your notes, because every spending decision is a spiritual decision. How you spend your money matters. By the way, can I just say it this way? Um, That doesn't mean you need to walk around feeling guilty all the time, but it does mean you need to walk around being responsible. You need to walk around responsible going, this is God's money, I'm the steward, and I'm gonna do this thing well in my life. Like, hey, teenager, it's not your house. In the same way, it's not your money, I'm gonna spend it well. By the way, let me tell you one of the greatest tricks, all right, I told you we'd get real practical. One of the greatest tricks I applied to my life early, early on in my life, and it's easier now than ever before, is, and I wrote it down in your notes, ready? If it's important, you automate it. If it's important, you automate it. So if, if God's first in your life, you automate your tithe. You automate it. If, 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 if your mortgage is important to you, by the way, if it's important that you pay your bills enough, you automate it. And what's amazing is, so I get paid, all this stuff gets automated, and then I'm this little leftover, and I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's a bummer. But you know what? All of this has already been done in my life. And so my kids' education and, and what's going to happen in the future and my investments and retirement, all that's taken. You automate everything that's important. Now, I'm telling you, one of the greatest things in your life is when you automate that thing, it keeps you on a budget so you know how to spend wisely. Y'all still with me? Say yes. Yeah. Number two, you're going to save dig- diligently. You want to live a life that is of good stewardship. You're going to spend wisely, but you're going to save diligently. You're going to learn how to not spend everything that you've got. And that's really hard (laughs) because some of y'all feel like it's an Olympic sport to bring that account back down to zero every every time you get paid. You're just like, man, it's amazing. I I can do it. And you've got it right to the very end. Then you get paid the next day. You're like, I made it again. And I'm telling you, it's a terrible way to live. I, I grew up in a house. My parents were so poor. Um, growing up. And so the God blessed them. They, they were incredibly blessed. My dad is an entrepreneur and started multiple businesses. And so, but as you know, as an entrepreneur, um, it's always feast or famine. So it's feast or famine. It's always one extreme or another. And so we had um, many seasons where it was high, high feast. I mean, it was just amazing feast. And it was, you know, we were on vacations in Hawaii and on cruises. And then, and then the next couple of weeks, it was like high famine. I and mean, it was like, we're selling things in our house to pay bills. And so I remember leaving there going, there's just no way I can live that way with my life. I got, I got, I got to have more balance. So I thought, man, if I, if I ever do this in my life, I'm going to do it well. If I ever get a job, I'm going to put money aside. So it's never that, those extremes. And then I got a job at my first church that I, got, that I got hired on to. I was a youth pastor. And that church had an amazing revival in the 90s. I mean, millions of people came and visited this church. It was amazing. But they didn't handle their money very well. And so the church ended up going in massive amounts of debt. So then I became the youth pastor. The church was in free fall. So there was about $11.9 million in debt, $83,000 a month in interest-only mortgage payments. 
Um, and there was about 300 people in the church paying all the bills. It was a disaster. So I remember sitting there thinking, if I ever become a, a pastor, if God ever gives me a church one day, I'm going to do this thing totally different. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to live in the, what we call the margin. I'm going to live where there's always savings. There's always money put away so that we're able to be, have the opportunity to do what God wants us to do without ever being strapped financially. And we've lived that way for nine years now at Radiant Church. God supernaturally blessed our church because of it. The verse that kind of is like the, where we hold on to, and if you've gone through next steps, you hear this verse because I talk about it and we, we are so transparent about how we do finances what our strategy is. And we use this verse, it's Proverbs 21, 20. It says, precious treasure and oil, talking about wealth, are in a wise man's dwelling. So, so listen, there, there, there's, there's money in the account, but look what the opposite says. But a foolish man, he, here's what he does. He just devours it all. He spends everything he's got. So, so you've got to make a decision. I'm going to live in such a way that I'm not going to spend everything that comes in and I'm going to learn how to be disciplined in my life. So your solution for this one, here it is, write it down your notes, is just you're going to learn how to save or invest 10% of your income, always. And, and by the way, our church lives that way. Our church has lived, lived from the very beginning. We have a 90% rule. So we, we only spend 90% of what comes in so that we have that 10% it's non-budgeted, it's put aside so that we have the margin to do what God's called us to do. So just a few months ago, if you're new to our church, we had a miracle happen a few months ago where two churches um, wanted to merge with us and said, we'll do it if you just will pay off our facilities. So they owed um, some money on their facilities. So all said and done, it ended up costing us a little over $4 million. By renovations, all that's gonna be about $5 million to get it all done. Well, it's about eight or $9 million worth of real estate. So we're, it, was, it was a miracle deal. And so we were able to write a check for it right away. Like we didn't have to come to the church. We didn't have to beg for anything. We were able to write a check for it. People were like, how can you do that as a church? Well, I'll tell you how we do that for nine years straight. We had 10%, 10%, 10%, just putting it away, building margin, 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 margin. So now we can have an opportunity to do what God's called us to be, to do. Let me just look at the camera because I want everybody's attention. You have no clue what's going to happen in your future, but God does. God does. So here's what you do. Since you can't predict the future, you plan for it by being faithful now. So you're gonna be faithful now. Because I, I, I'm really believing it. There's gonna be businesses that start that you have no clue. When the opportunity comes, you're gonna go, oh, that's why the Lord had me put away that money for year after year after year after year. Some of you, some of you, you're gonna, you're gonna get married one day and you're gonna, all of a sudden you're gonna, oh man, now, 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 now I have the resources that will provide for a family. Why? Because I was faithful in those seasons. Let me tell you, that's what discipline is. Discipline is saying no to good things so that you can say yes to the God thing in your life. It's, it's, it's no to what everybody else is doing so that you can say yes to what God wants for your life. You want to be a good steward? Learn discipline now. Learn about being faithful now. So I'm going to spend wisely, but I'm also going to save diligently. Can I hear a good amen today, church? All right, and then number three, we'll close with this one. And I think this one will help you. How do we become good stewards? Is we sow generously. We sow generously. The word sow is a biblical term for generosity. It's, it's in giving. It's this idea of planting seeds. It's going, I'm going to use my life to not just spend wisely and to save diligently, but I'm also going to sow generously. And I'm telling you, with my life, more than anything in my life, I want my life to be marked by generosity. I want our church to be marked by generosity. C.S. Lewis says it this way, the great theologian. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Yeah. What a great way to live. It's in your notes this way. You make, a living, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. 
I'm telling you, you want to see your life marked by something great? Then you make your life marked by generosity. And why? Why does God want you to have more? Why does God want you to be more blessed than you are right now? Because there's a lost and dying and broken world out there today that needs Jesus. And he, he is looking, let me tell I, I said it this way in earlier service, I think it'll be helpful. I really do think that God has favorites when it comes to money. And you can kind of see that. But here's the good news. Ready? The good news? You can become a favorite. You just got to determine in your life what you're going to do beforehand when God blesses your life. Amen. And for my life, I'm going to just be marked by generosity. Yeah. So, so I'm, not, uh, I'm not against the upgrade. I'm not against the blessing. I'm not against the fun stuff. But I'm telling you what my life is going to be marked with is generosity. Here's your solution for it. Ready? And this is a solution everybody can apply no matter their income range. Ready? Is you're going to become a percentage giver. Become a percentage giver in your life. So don't make your life marked by in a comparison with anybody else. Because it's never equal gifts that God's going for. It's equal sacrifice in the kingdom of God. So that's why Paul says it this way. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So don't set aside the same amount of money as somebody else. No, you do it based on how God's blessed your life, the income in your life. You set it aside. And so that when when we have an opportunity, when there's something going on, listen, we don't have to even make special collections because the body of Christ is built off of the percentage givers in the church. So here's the goals. And this is your two goals you should always have in your life when it comes to goals of generosity. First of all, your goal should be that you're a tither, that you're a tither. And I'm telling you, this is a game changer. If you've never been a tither for your life, and I've been since I was 16 years old, in good seasons and bad seasons, the first 10%, it goes to God. And I learned this from my parents. I've practiced it in my life. And I'm telling you, there's two groups of people. There's people that tithe, and they all say the same thing. I'm blessed. I don't understand it. That means it's easy. I'm just blessed. God's hand is on my life. And then there's another group of people that don't tithe, and they all say the same thing. I'm just too broke, so I can't tithe. And I'm like, there's a correlation between those two, by the way. So, 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 so honor God with your first 10%. And then here's your goal is once you start doing that, and by the way, some, sometimes you need to build up to that. Some people are so strapped and they're in so much debt. And his goal, and my goal is just become a percentage giver today. Whether that's 2%, 6%, you find it and you work your way up to the 10%. And then your goal with your life is as God's hand of blessings on your life, then you walk in generosity, which is everything above the 10%. Yes. I love, um, I was talking about our business leaders groups and there's this crazy um, just like, it's so cool that the, the competition between them is no longer who's building the greatest business. The competition amongst our business leaders is, is who can give the most away. And they actually got this challenge between them all the time. And it, it's real, it's, it's catching on where they want to live a 50-50 lifestyle. I thought it was so crazy when they started telling me this. It's kind of convicting. They're like, I want to give away 50% of all of our resources and 50% of all of our time. And I was like, what a great way to live. And so the competition between them is like, I'm at 23 this year, but next year I'm going to get to 27. And then the year after that, I'm going to get to 32. I'm going to live in such a way that I'm going to get to that 50% with my life. And I'm going, that should be the goal of every Christian. Every Christian should be living in such a way that I'm going to walk in radical generosity. And can you imagine God up in heaven right now going, I have all these resources to pour out that'll change the world. Who do I give them to? Do I give them to the stingy person or do I give them the person that's going to sow it? Am I going to give it to the person that's going to be the good steward? Am I going to look at good stewardship or am I going to look at the person that's going to be wrapped up in the American lifestyle? I'm going to find that person and watch how God will bless you. You just got to change your attitude towards money. I, I love how this has impacted so many people's lives. About once a year, we, tell, we teach on this, and we introduce a thing called a 90-day tithing challenge. We've done this from the very beginning. 
hundreds, if not thousands of people at Radiant have taken this challenge. And I just challenge you for 90 days, start putting God first by being a percentage giver. Maybe you've never done it before, but start. And in and, and this, you'll get some videos and some emails from me right back and forth. I get to hear all the stories, but uh, we get to collect these stories all the time because it's so amazing what happens when people actually just take God at his word, test him in it and watch how he'll bless your life. So just check out one story. You don't want to get too close. I don't want to get too close. Oh, mom just scored. Ellie, you have to block that. I'm Nick West. And I'm Sydney West, and we've been going to Radiant for four years. So our relationship with money before um, all of this, I would say, was definitely ugly. It definitely put a wedge between us and it built up unnecessary animosity. I guess I'm more of the spender and the giver. And so that was definitely something that we fought a lot about. So back in November of 2021, uh, Pastor Aaron was doing a series. I think the subject that week was, why do I tithe? And it really just hit. The, a number was given to her, a number was given to me, and we went all in. From the tithing though, I think I was provided so much clarity, you know, and, and really through the tide, like God started reprioritizing the more important things. It was like a few weeks later, we like randomly received this like refund check off of our escrows. Like, well, that was totally unexpected. It was simply amazing. I mean, I got a job offer. Uh, she got a job offer within the same month. We, we paid off about $45,000 in debt uh, over the course of like six months. It was great to have that that burden, that weight lifted off, even in our marriage, where that was it's not an argument that we're having anymore. You hear the stories of things happening to other people, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. But when it's happening to you, when you're when you're really living through it, it's overwhelming. It's powerful. It really sets you on fire to continue to be obedient and listen to the Lord because He really is guiding you and wants the best for you. Come on, can we give God some praise for what he's done? I love that family so much that are in North Tampa location. And what I love about him, it, it's, it's not a money thing. It's they got their heart in line to say, God, you're first in our life. And when God's first in your life, the rest of your life is blessed. If you've never taken the 90-day tithing challenge, here's my challenge. Start today. Honor God with a percentage of your income and watch how he will bless your life. And you go, well, it's so tough. I'm telling you, the 90% with God's blessing will always go further than 100% without it. Just watch how he'll bless your life. He's found faithful in this area. I'm going to close it with, with two quick challenges and we're done. First challenge comes from Hebrews. If we're talking about money and stewardship, the book of Hebrews says this. And I just feel like this is a word from God for somebody. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Can I just look at everybody in their eyes today? Look at, look at me. Look at me. Be content. I, I look, I'm all about it. Buy a nice boat get a nice house, all that stuff. Be content with what God's given you. There is such a pursuit after materialism that the enemy wants to get you on. It's the next thing, the next greatest thing, the next bigger thing. And God says, no, be content. And look what he says in that verse. He says, never have I, will I leave you or forsake you. Let me just tell you, you'll, you'll be okay without those things. <laughs> you'll be okay. Because so many people, they end up pursuing all these things of the world and they stop pursuing God. So here's my challenge, ready? 
when I lack satisfaction in God, I usually start to pursue satisfaction in stuff. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, um, husband in here, your wife didn't tell me to say this. <laughs> some of y'all, you just don't need to buy it. Some, some of you, you've, you've got it already in the cart right now and you're waiting to check out. I, I'm just some of y'all just stop pursuing it. Find your satisfaction in God. Because we've all had those moments where we've gotten that big thing and, and we took out the loan to get it and then we got there and go, man, that was, oh. I didn't think it would fulfill. Only God can fulfill your life. So I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm not against the good stuff. You get a nice boat, take your pastor out in it. We'll have a good time. But don't make your life about that. Here's your last thing, last challenge, ready? Luke chapter 12, Jesus said it this way. He told the parable, it says this, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, he says, what shall I do? I have no place to share my crops. What a great, store my crops. What a great problem to have. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'm gonna tear down my barns and build bigger barns. And there I will store my surplus grain. Man, I'm gonna have so much excess in my life. And then he says to himself, he says, and then he says, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that the story of America right now? Just eat, drink, be merry, have a good time. But God said to him, you fool. And I don't want God to ever call me a fool. He says, you fool, that very, you're very not, this very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then he says this phrase, and this is what i close with. This is how it'll be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but it's not rich towards God. Notice, and hear me out. Notice, you gotta read the Bible slow. Notice he did not condemn the man for being wealthy. There's nothing problem. There's no issue in the scriptures of being wealthy. The issue was that he used his wealth for himself instead of for the kingdom of God. Don't live your life in such a way that the precious thing that God has given you, everything in your life, your marriage, your kids, your home, your money, your business, that you use it for yourself. Say, God, I'm gonna be a good steward of your resources for the kingdom of God and for eternity. Can I hear a better amen today, church? Let me pray for you. Every eye closed across Tampa Bay and then your location pastors are gonna take over in just a second. Two groups of people. The first group of people, you're going, Aaron, talk about stewardship, talk about money. I haven't been doing it well. Maybe it's when it comes to my spending habits. Maybe it's my lack of saving or it's just the fact that I'm, I'm not a sower. I'm not someone that gives. I'm not, I don't have that generous heart. Uh, and I wanna pray for you. If that's you today and you go, Aaron, that's me. I, I'm making a decision to do money God's way. Would you just throw a hand up to heaven all over? Come on, hundreds of you guys. I know the hands are raised right there. Just keep the hand raised. We, we, we gotta be honest right, with, uh, with God right now. God, you see the hands of people all over this room who are saying, I'm gonna do money well. I'm gonna do it right. I'm gonna be a good steward of the finances you've given me. Lord, and I know as I'm faithful with a little, you'll bless me with much. So I pray over them right now that they would spend wisely the finances they've been given that they would save diligently and that it would sow generously. Lord, I pray if they're not percentage givers, that they would give to you, God. And I pray that it would bless their life. In Jesus' name we pray. The last group of people that are here today are those who don't have a relationship with Christ, which you know God loves you so much. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And it's a decision that you need to make today to say, Jesus, I'm not the owner of this thing. I'm giving control back over to you. I'm, I'm, I'm putting you in charge. Tell you, when you make that decision, he'll change your life right there. And we've already had dozens and dozens today to make the decision to say, I'm gonna steward my life well by giving control over to Jesus. That's you, you're on the count of three, I'm gonna have you respond. And on the, the way you're gonna respond is you're gonna throw a hand up and say, today's my day, I'm giving Jesus my life, I'm giving him my sin, I've given him my past, and he'll change you right there in your seat. That's you on the count of three, get ready, you're gonna respond, be bold about it. One, you're giving your life to Christ. Two, you're turning over control to him. 
three, if that's you, come on, throw your hand up right now all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, wave it at me, put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So many hands right in this room, all over Tampa Bay. Why don't we all pray this prayer, a prayer of commitment, a prayer of releasing control of our life over to God. Say it like this, say, dear Jesus, come on, let's all say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my past. I put you in control. Forgive me. Give me a fresh start. And for the rest of my life, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate those who just made the best decision ever? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.